It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday july 20th and you're listening to episode 425 i'm your host as always jason here also with jason hey jason hey jason here we are hey here we are jason 425 man that's that's a number Keeps getting bigger. What we yes, yes. You know what we could do <laughs> to honor four twenty five. We could just say, "Hey, Jason, four hundred twenty five times. Call it a show. Hope we don't lose count. Um, just ballpark it, probably. You know. So. Yes, just go until it doesn't feel right anymore. I'd be. That's right, a good. That's right. a. I'm done with that. That's about the mental capacity I can handle right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, four twenty five. By the way. We are 25% of the way through the 400s already. Um, yeah, so, I mean, 500, 75 episodes away, a little over a year, about a year and a half away. Um, I mean, who knows? Like, we could be recording this show from a bunker um, a year and a half from now. I'm not really <laughs> or can- sure. Or Canada, maybe, Canada. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. We may be recording from Canada. It may be BTGA. Um, I know they don't talk like that in Canada, all right? Don't call me about it. Just just get out in a boot. Canada rules. One Hello, time, Canadians. We love you. We need you. We do. Once, yes, we love you very much. One time I was talking to uh, Helena Capel, and so I'd been watching this show, um, Departures, which if you're looking for a travel show, Departures is the single best travel show you'll ever watch in your entire life. If you don't like travel shows... You could still love this show if you like shows that are good with interesting people. So anyways, highly recommend it. Departures, one of my favorite shows of all time. It's three seasons. Good, it's on Netflix. It's good amazing. review. It's okay. so good. So if you you would dig Departures. Like, dude, you would be so into Departures. I promise. Yeah, awesome. Yes. But anyways, um, so on that, the main guy is Canadian, and he says, process. He's like, we just have to follow a certain process here um, instead of process. And so I was talking to Helena one time, I think it was at Origins, and I was like, Helena, I have a question for you. So I watched the show, and this guy's Canadian, and I just need to know <laughs> if if all Canadians pronounce this word like this. I said, so can you pronounce the word P-R-O-C-E-S-S? And she's like, well, it's process. And I said, that's how he says it. She says, because he says it correctly. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, but anyways, it just cracked me up because, uh, yeah, yeah. I like the way they say process. I do. Absolutely. Yeah, there's we have uh, uh, in addition to the Capels, we have some other really good uh, Canadian friends, and and like it just feels good like to be around them, and like by the end of a weekend, you start picking up on their accents, and right. like just like I do that with Chris Kirkman too. I just get the Southern drawl whenever oh, I'm around yes. him. <laughs> he's, I just he like has, the way that yeah. it feels. Kirkman is one of my favorite people to talk to, just because he sounds so fun when you talk to him. Just, Absolutely, uh, they're just good. Good accents are contagious. I love what it. He, what does he always say? What's his catchphrase when he's like, is it buddy? Is he like, hey, buddy? What does he always say? I can't remember. Oh, there's something. It's been too long. You see, yeah. this is this is the part of the world we live in that we can't remember what our oh friends gosh. say oh anymore. Gosh, yeah. Um, our idiosyncrasies. Crass, some, I can't even know that word right now. Idiosyncrasies. <laughs> weird things about us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, drink, I'm drinking this truly 
lemonade hard seltzer. It actually says true. <laughs> You're drinking lemonade hard seltzer. It's it's truly is Ooh. like White Claw. It's just a different brand of White Claw. Oh, okay, truly. Yeah. But this is a lemonade one that has uh, stevia in it, so it's sweeter. Yeah, yeah. It's delicious. They are way too easy to drink. Uh, <laughs> Especially so, for you, considering yeah, how right? you drink. Um, I am a lightweight, so it's uh, doing its magic on me, I guess. You play games anytime? Yeah, yeah. What have we played lately? So I actually, um, uh, recently, Nate Darty was on the show. It was a while back now. Not too many episodes ago, though. And he pitched this game called Smashed to Orbits. Um and uh, it's <laughs> it's a clever. roll and write game where you're rolling dice around a planet and the dice are turning into asteroids. That's the right part is you trace around the asteroid and then write the number in it. And then you're trying, like in most roll and write games, attempting to fill out a grid to score the most points possible. Um, and it's a riot. Uh, Steph and I played it. We really, really liked it. Um, and uh, he's doing some development on it. But it's, uh, it's, it's really solid as is. It's a lot of fun. I was able to hopefully give him some helpful feedback. Um, but yeah, so I'm... I'm excited about that game for him because it's it's a good time. Fantastic. Yeah, that's really cool. Fantastic. So I played that. Uh, I haven't played yeah. much other than kid stuff other than that. So yeah. That's cool. Kid stuff's fun. Oh, I'm not Keeps I'm not them. saying I mean it's games I've talked about though recently on <laughs> right. the show when you were like on, the so. ones your kids always make you play and yeah, all that. We're pretty good about getting new games. Like I actually there'll be old games. Like there's this one game of theirs I love called Feed the Kitty. And it it is literally a game that plays itself. You it's get like it's left right center. It is it is left right center. Yes, yeah. you roll the dice, you follow the rules, right? Um, but I love the game. And one of the things that I don't know if it's actually a rule in the game, but like if you get out in our game, you don't get to roll the dice. But if somebody rolls the dice and has to pass you a mouse, you're back in, baby. Like nice. so, like um, so. It's funny you can be like first one out and then come back and win the game. <laughs> and of course it's just for me rolling dice but it's it has a lot of those like aha moments for a game that plays itself right yes that's that's fun but yeah i played that a lot with claire when she was little so that's uh always a pleasant memory we've been we've been digging out more of the bigger games like not huge games but like i think last time i told you like i played settlers with my kids yeah and, yeah. They, and they loved it and then um since then we played Pandemic, like the original Pandemic, yeah. um, and they they loved it, and we actually won. Like it was awesome, and we were like one nice. round away from losing, but we pulled it off on the easy mode, and awesome. uh, it was super fun uh, to to kind of work that problem out with them. And then um, I had only ever played Ticket to Ride First Journey with my oldest daughter, and that's the kind of simplified kids version. But um, they know that it's like I talk about it as my favorite game all the time. So they're like, we want to play the real Ticket to Ride. So we pulled that out and uh, and it was it was fun. They did well, but they lost considerably to mom and I. So like they were a little they were a little upset about that part of it because we are just like skills and knowing how to like, you know, manage our turns a little bit better. Um, and it ended a little rough, but it gave us good opportunities to have good conversations about winning and losing and learning and trying again and all that stuff. Um, I guess it wasn't super fair that that's like probably one of our most played games in the collection that we just hammered on. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, um, yeah. But that's, that's that was fun to get that back out because it's right. I still love it. Like I played it again, and it wasn't a question of like, man, I hate this game. It was just like, yeah, let's go. Like, and I, right. and I had a blast with it. Yeah, I need to play that. I've still never played it. So, oh my goodness. I, oh, so here's the that's best thing. Right. I have a sealed copy of it that I got for two dollars at a garage sale. Oh, dude, that's so good. I the, know the right? USA version. Uh, yeah, USA? I think it, it's yeah. the I think it's the like the main version. The original. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wonderful. That's a great place to start. That's not where we started, but uh, it's it's great. I so. should. Is it pretty? Is it pretty quick to pick up? Like, I am oh, super easy. Yeah, okay. I should. You do I three. Bust it out. So remember, wife and yeah. I to try. It's great with two players too. So you and you just do. You play with. You you could do three things. Choose one of three things and go. Like one of my my style totally. So yeah, that um, is good. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So that's cool. You've been doing that. That's a good time. Cool. Playing games with the kids. Haven't done a ton of design stuff. Um, had some ideas, like, bouncing around from here to there. But nothing even worthy to, like, remember, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been working on some design stuff. Um, not a ton, but, like, working with... Um, we have a publisher looking at one of our games, Isaac and I, and uh, so I'm working with them on that, trying to talk through some details, um, actively pitching a couple other games, and then oh, and then I am I so last on the last episode I pitched a game uh, called Opposite is Opposite, and it's a uh, team communication game that I designed, um, and you may have hmm. played an early version of it, I don't remember, um, but uh, it's basically like a word game where. Um, I have a word, I look at this word on a card, and then I write down what I believe to be the opposite word, right? But it's not easy okay. words like hot and cold. Like like the word might be Antarctica or the moon, right? Um, and uh-huh. so like you have to believe write what you believe would be the opposite of that. And you hand it to the next person who that's all they get. Is that what you wrote? And they have to write oh. the opposite of that. Nice. And then, and that goes around until you get to the last person who then has to guess from other choices uh, what word was the original word. So, and they of course know if it's an odd number, then it's um, then it's an opposite. If it's an even number of players, then you're looking for the specific same word, right? Um, so yeah. But anyways, so that's pretty cool. And, yeah, that's uh, neat. That sounds so, fun. I'm working on that. I've got some demos set up with some teams uh, that I'm going to try it out with. So I'm pretty stoked about that. That should be fun. And uh, yeah, and actually it was great because I pitched it to Julio and uh, thinking it was just like, hey, a throwaway idea. Like, here's this. And Julio was like, no, I got feedback. And he actually solved some problems with the game <laughs> that I didn't even know it had. So that was pretty great. <laughs> Yay, Julio. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, go to, go Julio. So, so yeah, so I'm going to try that out with some people. And I can't wait because I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah. one of the one of the gaming related things that I have been working on, kind of just getting started, because this is my third semester in grad school, and I am working on becoming a librarian. Um, and I want to work in public libraries. So, uh, my final paper is about reference librarianship, like helping people find what they're looking for. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I am kind of looking and kind of researching some of the literature that's out there about board games in libraries and got to try to make a connection between readers advisory, um, which is like recommending books to people, right? They come to you and they're like, I like this author. And sometimes it's a formal thing. Sometimes it's a very casual thing. So I'm going to kind of make connections about how like libraries are 
more and more like carrying games and how do we apply readers advisory to finding people good board games maybe even if they're not looking for a board game in the first place but it's something you know related so man i really like this book series have you played yeah. this board game <laughs> yeah, no I'm yeah, right? a book let me show you this board game <laughs> Right, just just to kind of size up the the reader, the patron, and like figure out what they want, what they're really looking for, and showing them like all the options, you know. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting, just to see like, or even just like how to present games um, in a similar way in that format. So that's kind of fun. And the first articles right. that I uh, that I found were Doctor Scott Nicholson, uh, who is Board Games with Scott, one of yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one of the first video um, reviewers out there, right, who is a doctor right. of in, in library science. So it's pretty incredible to like come I've, across uh, his stuff. I've played some. I'm, I've played some Animal Crossing with him. So yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So I've never yeah, met him video- in person, but uh, I was uh, I got into this like uh, group on Facebook with uh, that Flip Flory runs. Uh, and so, like, it's like Ryan Metzler and Scott Nicholson and a bunch of other board game related people. Um, cool. And then some people from ju- and then just some like random people flip his friends with from Maine because um, that's where he lives or that's where he lived. So, um, yeah. So it's 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 cool. It's a cool little community. That's um, neat. And realizing like, oh, this person does video like because I'll meet these people and I don't realize who they are. Right. Um like oh wait you you do video reviews on this other thing right like i'll like run into them on twitter and be like wait i know you so yeah it's funny right right his, i mean his videos yeah. were like the first ones and that was the first ones i came across when i when i got into games and i was like all right when i when i finally had played i had played ticket to ride settlers of Catan, and carcassonne i googled european board games like carcassonne and board games with scott came up so like it was early enough that like he was the top hit and that's how i learned about the hobby industry so it's kind of cool like to become come back to his like academic work in uh in grad school years later yes yes so i'm gonna phone that in i'm gonna phone that paper in so i can just get the semester off my plate and good uh always recommend phone it in that's basically what we've been doing with this podcast for 425 episodes so (laughs) that's it i get behind that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right awesome well hey let's talk about a topic you have this pretty cool topic you thought of on the fly under pressure um and uh and that's I how like i it. roll so cool yeah he phoned it in like his paper but go for it what's uh what's the yeah. topic we're gonna talk about um so i was thinking about um the idea of express games uh and this happened because you know just we were just talking about Ticket to Ride, and Ticket to Ride has these new smaller, compact versions of, mm-hmm. of Ticket to Ride. Uh, they have New York and London, and I think uh, Amsterdam is maybe another one that's coming. That's uh, already out in Europe, I think. But it's just a smaller box game where you it boils down the Ticket to Ride into like a fifteen to thirty minute experience with two to four players. Um, mm-hmm. A pretty easily game that only takes you know sixty to ninety minutes, but it's pretty sprawling on the table. But this kind of like packs it into a smaller space and makes it faster. So it's a smaller map, probably less cards, less trains to move the game along faster. Right. Um, it takes this game and makes it super portable, like so much so that like it could be when this part of the world is functioning again, like it would be a good coffee shop game. You know, it's small enough to like take it to Starbucks and throw it on the table right. and not Whereas the have normal to, you know, to ride. No. <laughs> yeah. Not, not happening. Right. I've not played it, um, but that box is big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The maps are large. So, um, 
so yeah, I was thinking about that idea, and then I was thinking of a few other games. Uh, there's a new, there's another new one of a pandemic. It's called Pandemic Hot Zone North America, and it's the same idea. It takes the and pandemic, and it yeah, turns out t- it was timely, prophetic. <laughs> yeah, right. So this just hit stores right as we were locking down here in the oh, in the gosh. in the summer, um, and it's like a smaller twenty five dollar version of Pandemic. That has some different mechanics. I think I haven't opened the box yet. I, I went and I went to Target because I needed to buy some grocery stuff, and I'm like, hey, I think all the new Target games are here. So so I picked up a couple. Nice. And uh, and I grabbed that because we had just played Pandemic with my kids. I'm like, let's play the quicker Pandemic because maybe we can like squeeze this in before bed a little easier than the big Pandemic. So. Um, then I was thinking there's Can't Stop, which is one of my favorite Pressure Luck games of yeah. all time. And there's a there's a Can't Stop Express that that, that, that uh, Eagle Griffin put out in a smaller box. And I think it just turns the game into a roll and write. Um, but it makes it makes these games and, you know, Tickets to Ride and Pandemic and Can't Stop are not like the heaviest, chunkiest games. But it does take this like the heart of these kind of um, light to medium weight games and like condenses them into these super small, more portable, more accessible, faster playing games. So they're good for traveling. They're good for playing in public. They're good for just a quick game. Um, so I just thought about like that as an exercise, as and as like a thought experiment. Like right. how do we take something we know and love and make it express, either to just get the juices flowing or to like as a, as a design exercise, you know, maybe mm-hmm. we come across something unique that way, take a beloved right. game and figure out what can we take out that um, would be a twist on this um, while keeping the heart intact, but simplifying in some, in some major ways. Right. I, one of the other games that popped into my head is Mr. Jack pocket is a really good um, small version of a game in that. Have you played Mr. Jack pocket? I have, but have you played Mr. Jack? I haven't. I think that Mr. Jack Pocket might be slightly more complicated than Mr. Jack. It's really small, though, is what I was saying. It doesn't yeah, take that much small. space yeah. at all. It's that is we yeah. take that to the coffee. Sh- well, we used to take that to the coffee shop all the time because it's a real right. easy one to just, um, you know, throw out. Totally. There. Yeah. So I guess that's another thing too. Is like maybe not necessarily making it. It doesn't have to make it quicker or less complicated to make it express it just can be a portable but then but then we're getting to like a travel game like there's there's a right. katan there's a travel edition yeah 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 but which which feels like just like how can we make this small how can we make the pieces click into the plastic board kind of a thing which which isn't quite what right. i'm getting at is like no. creativity that's right. more no, of that's, a product product I was, design rather what than i was game thinking design. of was like i was thinking of the difference between mr jack pocket and phantom of the opera which uses the mr okay. jack system and that is a bigger more complex game um, yeah. So yeah, cool. that's but yeah. Anyways, all right. So what do you think? So basically, the the idea is like when I think about this, um, it actually reminds me of when you think of a simulation game, right? Like any sort of simulation okay. game. the The goal of a simulation game is to take something from the real world and gamify it and turn it into something that is that makes you feel reminiscent of the thing without actually being the thing right like because otherwise like you know if i make a baseball game that is like supposed to be a simulation game of baseball but really you're just playing baseball then why not just play baseball right um right so it's it's kind of boiling down what makes it 
fun and what makes it that thing, right? What makes it baseball, right? I don't know. I hate baseball. I don't know why I'm using that as an example. But, um, you know, what are the things that really make it that? Um, it sounds like you're really just kind of doing the exact same thing going from a normal board game to the express board game, right? Is you are doing a simulation of that board game by trying to yep. make it pull out, you know, extract what really matters with it and make a simpler experience out of it. Is that accurate? I, I think so. I mean, like, it's it's hard to say, like, that some games, like, are, are perfectly perfectly streamlined already. Hopefully, the, the designers have done the work to bring us the best version of the game. So I think that, like, yeah, in that, in, I like your comparison to, like, simulating baseball or simulating something in the real world because it does take a twist, like, right? You have to twist it some way, like, real world sports versus cards on the table you know like and that's where the simulation occurs so it's almost like what is maybe like we extract the essence while twisting something to make it smaller and more portable if that if that makes sense yeah no i think i think that makes sense um i was i'm just kind of like going through games in my head of like what's an easy game to do this with or what's a like what's a really hard game you know when i was like when I when I think about the games that I really enjoy, they're generally smaller experiences to begin with, right? Right. Um, right. But like Patchwork is a re- really good example, actually. You know, Patchwork uh, came out with the Patchwork Roll and Write, which I actually can't remember what it's called right now. Um, yes, there's two, isn't there? There's like Patchwork Express and then Patchwork. Um, gosh, I know there's another one too. It's called. Um, second something that's yeah, very similar to patchwork chance, second chance second chance but same it's not, designer different game but yeah they're actually are very different it's like it's like somebody went to him and said hey could you make patchwork the roll and right and he was like sure so he did but then the people who make patchwork are like hey can you make patchwork the roll and right for real and he was like yeah i don't see why not um, right what's cool is yeah, they're both actually very different like they're not the same game at all um, that's cool. I haven't played Patchwork Express. I have played Second Chance, but um, yeah, that that's a great. Ex- I mean, like I imagine that's a great example because even Second Chance to me felt like Patchwork, but but smaller and quicker, and it was a roll and write. So there's the twist, and it's smaller and quicker. You know, so maybe right. you t- talk to Pac- Patchwork Express a bit about that. Have you played Patchwork Express? Well, yeah. So I I feel like it's not called Patchwork Express, but um. Uh, the the patchwork roll. Oh, right there version. is a patchwork. Ex- there is a patchwork express. Okay, but but it's that not I've the not played. Right. I've played the roll and write version, which basically doodle. is patchwork doodle. A patchwork doodle. That's it. Yeah. And so the difference with that is you're basically you're you're just drawing your quilt, and then your options for pieces are cards, and everyone gets stuck with the same piece, which you have powers you can do to like alter that. So the core of that game is picking pieces, right? Um, yep. picking pieces and then using those pieces to create your quilt. And that's that captures the entire experience in this little tiny box that you can play literally anywhere. Um, but it is the same experience with a little bit of difference, um, but not not much, you know? Um, so I, that feels like a pretty good example um, of where that was done really well. It's in, especially on the side of making it a more compact experience, and it also plays faster than Patchwork. Not much fast. Patchwork is especially if you're playing Patchwork with like 
a couple people who really are like good at playing patchwork, it goes pretty right. fast. Um, yeah. But I also like the idea of the express game having many less components, right? To like being creative with how do you like you know boil it down to something a little easier to handle, right? Uh, physically and like you know mentally. Yeah, totally. Yep, that's that's uh, a great example. I was just thinking about um, uh, lanterns and and lanterns dice, which mm-hmm. um, Chris Chung designed. Uh, yeah, lanterns, great game, and it's kind of fun because it's like it's this Carcassonne level tiles building out on the table. It's spreading out, and it's got this clever. Everybody gets something when you, based on what you pick. But then the lanterns, it, it does simplify it to dice. You have your rolling sheet. You don't need as much space because you're not sprawling out on the table. It has the I get something, y'all get something aspect of it. Um, but it's just a little more portable. It, 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 Weight-wise, it's probably um, a little more gamey, actually, the, 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 the smaller kind of dice version. So I, that's a thing that's interesting. I wonder how, how much um, of a challenge it is to, like, make things smaller and less complex or if there's this like tendency to be like if i make it less complex then nobody's gonna like it as much as they like the original so having to come up with something really clever you know to 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 be the hook there well i think Um, that you know part of the thing is you you still have to have like good choices to make in those games so when you're switching over to dice right that obviously changes the choices first of all it randomizes the choices in it doesn't like if you're using cards you can deliver a specific experience especially if you're going to go through say two-thirds of the deck right like you know statistically what that experience will be but when you switch over to dice it's almost like you have to make it a little more gamey in some instances so that you can negate the randomness of the dice uh, that wouldn't be an issue in the normal version of the game um, and that's just my thought on that. You know, I was trying to think of like a cool game to kind of mess around with that with. And so my wife and I's favorite game is Splendor, right? You've played Splendor, yeah. I assume. Yeah. 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 So, it's been a while, but I played it. So for anybody who hasn't played it, Splendor is, uh, I think of it as like a core, The it is like the boiled down version of like an engine building game, right? Like you are building an engine, uh, to buy more stuff and win the game, right? It's that. So you've got um, you've got tokens that you can take that are gems, right? And there's a lot of tokens, and the tokens are beautiful. It's one of the, my favorite things about the game. Uh, so you take the tokens, and you, um, you use those to buy cards, and the cards uh, give you either points or permanent gems or both. So like it's basically giving you permanent tokens that you can spend, and that is the engine you're building. And then you use those to keep buying more, and then eventually you'll attract royals or something like that. Um, who will, um, you'll have enough cards of gems to attract them and then they'll come give you more points. And then when you get to 15 points, you win. And so it's, it, to me, it is like the perfect game. Uh, the only thing like we ever, we don't house rule the game at all with one exception of, we find that you have to be a little careful of the Royals that come out. Like it's more fun if they're diverse and they don't all require the same thing. Because when they require the same thing, the game becomes more like, I will block my opponent out of this one resource. Uh, and it just, mm. the game just isn't as fun. Like, um, it just makes the game more cutthroat. And my wife and I are looking to have like a nice, fun experience that's only a little cutthroat. Um, <laughs> right. But so, like, thinking about that game, you have three full decks of cards 
that you have to use for each of the gem rows that you can buy from like probably 40 tokens or something like that. And then um, the Royals cards and there's, I think maybe 10 Royal cards. Um, but it, it's, it sprawls right across your table. It sprawls a lot. Um, and it feels like there would be a simplified way to play that game. Um, but gosh, it's, it's, I guess you're right. It's hard when you take like a game where it feels like perfect, right? And say, now how do I simplify this game to make it a simpler, like tighter, smaller experience um, without losing the magic? Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. You know, I think you, do you have to automatically cut some of the choices off? Do you... Do you cut components down first? Do you do you cut decisions down? Um, like, I mean, what would the game be without the Royals aspect? You know, right? Yeah. So the it would just be a stock market trading game at that point, right? Well, to me, stock market trading implies value implies values going up and down. Um, and in this, the values don't change, right? I mean, the perceived value of things change, right? Like, oh, everybody wants red gems, and now, oh, everybody has red gems. So now, when red gems come out, nobody really cares about them. But that doesn't that feels less like an economy and more just like a little bit of supply and demand, you know? Um, sure. Yeah, I guess that you know the core aspect of the game is that you are making simple choices on your turn. It's it's one of the classic ideas, right? Where like I can either I can take coins like i can take one of each of three coins i can take two of one color coin or i can buy something oh or i can pick something up and save it and then get a wild coin like a gold coin that like works as any gem like those so there's four options on every turn and they are really simple and you know so simplifying that is hard because i mean i guess you what you could do is you could make less choices right away right um, I mean, I think the other thing that, that makes games like this simpler is you just make it a roll and write game, right? Where like, um, where you are tracking everything on paper that reduces components immediately. Um, sure. You know, worked for patchwork, worked for lanterns, right? Cause lanterns dice is a, has a right aspect to it or does it not? It does. Yep. It has score sheets. Yep. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard though. I'm like like I was like, oh, this would be easy to just take a game like this, but it's not. Like it's it's tough. You had actually mentioned yeah. ahead of time, like what about looking at one of our games and um, so like okay, so like into the Black Forest, right? See, like, yep. it's hard. Like so that right there, that to me, into the Black Forest, a game we both worked on a lot. Like that game feels um, like very straightforward, but I do think there would be a way to make it um even simpler i guess but like what would you uh, gosh like what would you simplify i could just throw all the cards away and make it dice like what, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think you could i think you could maybe have it be two players only i think you could cut the deck of cards in half oh well um, if you cut two players you could cut it more than that's doesn't it yeah. play two to five right now uh, oh, two to four, I believe. Two, I thought it was two to five. You gotta put. You, you didn't gotta publish this game. Together. I didn't design this game. What? Maybe it's two to five. 
I don't remember. Buy no, it. Though. It you guys four. can find out if you buy it. No, yeah, because you put four. two decks together. You put yeah. two decks together to play with one. So you could you could play. Um, it's two to four. No, it is two to four. Yeah. Okay. So you could play with two players only. You could only have things on the top and the bottom of the cards um, that come out. The, your your encounter cards. So you're playing these different cards to these different areas. And there's high beats low. There's low beats high. There's match the suit of the card that was played above. And then there's a secret condition that varies each turn, right? So you could have two of those randomized on each card. And you flip the card, and it's this one is high beats low, and this one here is um, match this suit with your lowest whatever. So you're only playing to two spots instead of four. You're only playing with one deck each. And there's still that kind of ebb and flow that's coming. And that becomes essentially a micro game at that point. Like, you'd have 24 cards, and maybe there's a way you could do... Um, the encounter cards instead of a deck of encounter cards with a die that has certain values or that means something. Um, or, or one of them is printed on the center card and then the other is chosen by a die and there's right. a key. You could, uh, I, that's a good point though. You could have two dice where you are rolling the dice and they are like, or four dice say, right? Uh, and some have symbols and then some have high or low or other things and you just roll and that's what you get. My other thought was that you could have the um, the cards be double-sided. So they have two tricks on one side and two tricks on the other. And then like, mm. so like basically it would be like a conveyor belt where like we play on the one and as soon as that one's done, you flip it and set it down and bring out the next one. Um, so then you're still playing on four but the way you do it is different, and I've just made the game more complicated. But that sounds really interesting, actually. Um, so yeah, well, I think, and I think that that's the that, so the, the the heart of the part that is really the clever part of Into the Black Forest is um, the timing and reading. It's like a very tactical moment of what cards do I have in my hand, and you see the next two things that are coming down the pipeline as well. Um, so you can plan your hand like, what do I want to um, kill right now what do i want to save for later where is the place that i can maximize my points in this moment with this particular situation based on mostly information i can read about what the other player is doing but some secret information too so it's about timing and planning i think is what the 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 kind of the things are and that classic card game feel right right um those are the things that make it special to me that's fair yeah no i agree I, so I, I think that like the, the delivery system of the encounters being simplified with like the double sided card or the two dice, uh, simple simplifying the decks, you know. So there's so there's less cards. Um, maybe you shuffle them random. Maybe that's one deck of cards instead of four separate decks of cards, and they're dealt out to the players as another twist that gives it more of a classic card game feel. Um, yeah. yeah, almost like a euchre style smaller experience there which right. is also 24 cards yeah as you mentioned. oh yeah totally right you cut that that's already a, a good example of a trick-taking game that has half a deck so uh now though you just made me want to design another game so i'm gonna cool let me can i pitch this idea because I, I really want to get this out because it sounds fun yeah so yeah do it. it's a it's a trick-taking game so you're already in it's called <laughs> 
double or nothing, okay? So the way the game works is um, you get... I'm thinking you have multiple tricks out at once, right? So like two trick cards come out. Um, think of it as the Black Forest, but like it's simple. It's just one condition on the card. like, And whoever wins that trick... Um, whoever wins that trick, um, great. Uh, then it's when you win the trick, you then flip it over, right? So when you win the trick, you don't score the trick. Uh, so basically like it's going to be, uh, high card wins. We'll say, right? Like, like, um, like on this, it says the suit you want is spades and the highest spade wins. Okay. So I play the highest spade and I win it, but then you flip it over, right? And now it's double or nothing. So I don't get any points for my trick that I took. Instead, now it's the same trick on the other side. High spade wins, right? So like mm -hmm. I've followed suit. You've all, Everyone's followed suit, right? Um, I've won it. But to score it again, I now have to score the trick again. So the way I guess I would see it happening is this. At the beginning of the game, a trick comes out. Someone wins it. That trick flips over in front of them, right? So I know they've won it. Um, and now we're going to play the trick again. But at the same time, a new trick comes out. So there's almost like a conveyor belt happening, right, of tricks going down the line. And so, like, when I win that trick, it now flips over, right? So now next, I'm going to be trying to win that next trick because those are my points, right? And if you don't win the trick, I'm going to get those points because that's my double or nothing, right? So you now have to decide as you're playing, do I want to stop Jason or do I want to try and sneak in here and win this next trick so that I'm on double or nothing, right? So you've constantly got multiple tricks flowing across the board as you're attempting to like, but you, once you, if you don't win it right away, you can't score that trick. So it becomes completely defensive. Um, anyway, so that just sounds like fun to me because I need to design another trick taking game. That's what my life needs right now is another oh, yeah, trick taking totally. game. Do you see what I'm trying to do with that, though? Yeah. Like, does that make any sense? What are your thoughts on that? A little bit. I think it's cool. I mean, I like that, like, that's exactly what the point of the exercise was, was to, right. like, try to take something, simplify it, and then see where it leads you. And it leads you to a completely new kind of uh, space that you want to you wanna dig into. Um, I think there's something there. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And, if like, if it had a theme, like like a factory or something like you're attempting to like, um, or like an auction. What if it was like, uh, so I got this idea, like fantasy, like properties, like houses, Shut like up. a tree, uh, real, uh, maybe real estate. I designed that game. <laughs> I already designed that game. It was really good. Um, it was, I almost signed that one too. Yeah. But yeah. Mark got it. That's cool. Good job. Yeah. Mark. So, Great uh, Guild on real estate, but no, like think about it like an auction, right? Except for, I don't know why you'd be auctioning something twice. That seems weird. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, 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 okay. All right. What if it was an auction, but you're buying stuff to sell it? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Ready? You're like so, flipping stuff. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, right? So, I win the first trick. Now, it's flipped over. So, now I own it. But now I don't want it. Now I want someone else to win the trick. Right? Yeah. So instead yeah. of being the same thing, on the opposite side, it's different. Right? So now the lowest heart is going to take it or right something like that. Um, 
So now I have to attempt to make sure I don't win it because I'm going to earn money for not winning it, right? Um, because it's basically yeah. like I'm selling it, but I'm forcing someone else to buy it. Um, that's actually like that, that could there could be something there that actually sounds like fun. Um, yeah. So, but then like so, okay. So you're gonna win the first trick, and that means you're auctioning it off with the next trick. Whoever wins it buys it. But then when they get that trick, are they selling that same one again, or does it like start over somehow? That's what that is. I was assuming that it's like the first the first section is like, um, the first section is like a normal trick taking game, and the second one is like hearts, right? So first okay. it's I want to win this. It's euchre, right? I want to win this trick, but now it's hearts. Now I want to do everything I can to not get that card. Yeah, and then whatever that card is worth. If you get it, if somebody else has to take it, I earn that many points. But if I don't, if I get stuck with it, then I lose that many points. Or maybe it's not even lose. Maybe it's I just don't earn anything. I think that would work too. Um, So you have to win the trick to, to own the thing and then you have to sell it, right? So like a flipping auction thing is perfect for that, right? Like well, the, so the th- so the two parts. What's starting to ring a bell for me now is the two parts of a trick taking game where the first part you're buying stuff and then you're trying to sell it is for sale. Have you played for sale? I have not. It is one of the greatest games of all time. Now it's 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 there's some similarities. It's not like straight up, but that's a good space to explore before you get too into this idea. I think because you want to make sure. They're right, different but enough. it's not that it is different it, enough. Yeah, yeah, it's it's two different. Like it's like there's a blind bi- there's a there's a auction round and then a blind bidding, like trick taking for the second half. So like, it's it's wonderful. You're like you're, but this is a little different. So you, if, and theme wise, you'd want to stay away from real estate auctions. Right. I think, too. Theme wise, what if it was called like inheritance or inherited? Right. So you are attempting to, this is actually, this could be fun, right? So you are buying this or inheriting this stuff, right? But you're bidding on it, right? Like you're like, I want that. Yeah, I want that thing, right? So you're you're trying to win the trick. Like an estate sale. Yeah, right? But when you win the trick, now it flips over and that item may be like haunted. And then I don't want it, Right. Yeah. So now I got to try and resell it, except for now everybody knows it's haunted, right? I think it probably has a werewolf in it. Um. <laughs> Jumps right out of the box. <laughs> right out of the box and eats your face. Werewolf in a box, man. It is, uh, yeah. It is uh, good. pretty close to being a Saturday Night Live skit. So, um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, I feel like that could be a fun little thing there. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, I'll probably play around with that a bit. Do it, do it. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I think that that's a a neat thing. I was thinking of my game, the Great Heartland Hauling Company, which I don't know if you saw it on Good Morning America or not, but uh, that was a pretty pleasant surprise. Yeah, how did that end uh, up on? Oh, was it? How did that end up on Good Morning America? I heard um, about that, but I don't remember the, the circumstances. F- we, the family, we, uh, our family plays games. Is a, a yes. new family that reviews games. They were uh-huh. guests talking about how games can bring people together, and they're people of color. And it was just a d- the right time to be like talking about how cool it is that they're trying to get more people into games. 
and they chose three games to highlight on the show, and it was it was uh, like two huge, huge games, and then their, mine was their favorite travel game. And nice. Like, yeah, and they just talked about how good it was, and that was fantastic. But um, I was just I I've been working on a couple different ideas over the years based on um, I made a Heartland dice game like right right. That, that that removes there it can be played two ways. There was a roll and write rule set that you have a score sheet and five dice that kind of um, feels a little bit like the Heartland Holland experience. And then there's also you can use the dice in place of the deck of cards to drive the Heartland Holland game forward. So uh, along those lines, I was almost thinking, what if there's no dice and no cards, and you set up the random board in Heartland Holland? So you, the the idea of Heartland Holland, Great Heartland Holland Company, is that you're a truck driver trying to pick up and deliver goods to make the most profit, and you do that by playing gas cards or spending your your points to drive around to the different locations. There's nine. It's a grid of three by three in a two player game. Uh, and you can play a card that matches a good that's at that location to load it onto your truck. Then, um, later on, you can go to another location that has that, that good labeled in demand, and you play a card to deliver it for money. That's how you get points. So, I was thinking about that idea. What if there's no cards? What if it was just you can move one, two, or three spaces on the board, and however far you move, um, you can only pick up an equal or opposite number of goods. So if I choose to move three spaces, I can pick up three goods from the location that I end up at, or I can sell three goods. Or if I move one location, I can pick up one good. Um, That's solid. So it, it becomes a little bit like an abstract, like chessy type game, because then I'm thinking about, okay, where is the best place where this person can make some good money and like I want to, I want to end up in a spot that is more valuable for them, you know. So it's like, I mean, that game, then that game just becomes um, the cubes, the trucks, and you know, nine tiles instead of a deck of cards, um, right? So, and even thinking about like, is there another way to keep track of the goods to that you're picking up and delivering? Um, so you don't have to have all the cubes to even, you know, kind of simplify it to make the portability even, even higher. Um, so it could be, it could be a, a, a score sheet, you know, kind of a situation where I mean, you, it could be cubes and you could just highly limit them as well. Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It doesn't like right now they start with five on each tile. You could do three on each tile. So then it's right. a tighter and um, a tighter, economic space is not as much stuff moving around and it all stays out there too really until like you're picking it up but then eventually you're selling it and putting it back somewhere else so um i think that's an interesting little like twist you know that we could explore you know yeah i mean that Um, is that seems like a very good breakdown of what an express game would look like right of that yeah it's and it's like i cut out half the components but I think the heart of it is there, you know, like the truck driving theme is still like you, you drive around, you pick stuff up, you deliver it. So if it just depends on if the um, the puzzle of just driving around the board without having to collect the cards and manage those hands is fun without um, without losing that fun aspect of the game. So I think that 
but I, yeah, that's the kind of idea that like leads me to new places. I think that I think the roll and write game is a game. The the Heartland rolling and write game is uh, similar. Like you roll the dice. If they have fuel, you can use the fuel as re rolls. You can re roll to get a certain number of goods. You can if you get however many matching goods you have, you write them down on your sheet. When you get your truck full of that good, you then try to deliver them all. And you're trying to, it's kind of like quicks in that like you fill up two goods, you deliver two goods. And the first one to um, deliver two full sets of goods triggers the end of the game kind of a thing. So that kind of takes me to a place where that feels different enough that I I could kind of explore some different themes for some new inspiration there. But it came out of that expressifying experience of making something smaller right um to get to a new place and it's and it's obviously a place that i want to explore anyway because it, it it's very similar to the heart of another game i designed so i don't know if you find that but i i, I kind of always feel similarities from one of my games to another mm-hmm. yeah like, things i like like things i really lean towards like um, Dead Drop has something where you add two cards together. Like Kite Fight has something where you add two cards together. Like this little thing that, like, oh, that's my little signature. But like, or like that's just something that, like, the first idea that works that pops into my brain. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I think one of the things that really is always exciting to me with card games that I design is like having like that odd scoring piece where like it doesn't score in the way you'd expect it to, right? Like. Yeah. Unreal Estate scores based on how many times somebody has not played something, right? Like how many times has somebody disregarded a piece? That makes it more valuable, right? Or, yep. or um, where in uh, I'm really proud of what we did with uh, uh, Into the Black Forest, where like I, if I win, I score my opponent's card, right? Which really, really like makes your opponent like. Um, you know, if you play a ten and high card wins, I don't want to play a nine because you're going to get nine points. I want to play a one. So it means like in a normal trick taking game, if I got a 10, I'm going to throw it out there. Right. Uh, To like, you know, to bully everyone like, Hey, the 10 wins. That's the highest card. Right. Um, But now if I do that, somebody's going to give me a one and I'm going to score one point. I'm a big old 10 card. Right. So, and I've wasted that 10. Yeah. That doesn't come back. I've spent it. Yeah. And they've got their awesome one back (laughs) because they didn't score with it. So, right. And that one is very valuable when someone plays a, a seven in the, Low card wins. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always try to explain to people, um, like when I'm teaching, uh, when I'm teaching into the Black Forest, like you want high cards and low cards. Like those are soup. They are equal value. Like, um, right, right. What you don't want is middle cards. Like those, not so great. Like, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that th- those mathy scoring things that that reminds me of uh, Reiner Canizia's. Like that's the heart of most right, of his right. games. Is like so you're only going to score based on the lowest score in these five different categories. Like so you have to it like forces you to spread your goals out and like make sure you're playing balanced and everywhere you can rather than just going hard at one thing. Um, and he does a, or like his multiplication, you know, like in in Lost Cities, like the way that 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 works out like just um just simple little math problems that make the scoring feel interesting like simple math problems no Reiner Kinitsia does not do simple math problems right right Reiner Kinitsia is like I designed this game it's a math exercise you'll probably really enjoy it I did just um buy from Target recently um it pre-ordered I never pre-order games like unless they're like by a friend or something but I pre-ordered Reiner Kinitsia's My City have you seen that? Whoa. Oh, dude, no. you're going to love this. It is a 
uh, Kinesia Legacy game what? designed for family weight. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? So I, I needed, basically, my wife had me buy something she needed from Target, and then I didn't want to pay shipping, uh, like $5 in shipping, so I bought a $20 board game or a $25 board game to get the price up. Uh, so that I uh, yeah didn't have to pay shipping, um, but anyways, so I'm really excited about that. It's like it's got like 15 plays or something like that, like where you get different things, and then when you're done, you can flip the board over and just play normal from from then oh. on. Just play the regular game awesome. because you'll have done all the scenarios. Um, so that it, it just it very much. I mean, anything about building a town or a city or a village, like I'm in for. Like I just that really speaks to me um, as a as a player and as a designer. So obviously since like, yeah, that's, and that's one of the, the spiel de jar nominees this year. It was, Oh, nice. I did not know that. So yeah. Yep. 24 episodes. It says, yeah, look, oh, yeah 24. Really cool. Like that's a lot. It's like 35 bucks maybe or something like that. I mean, like Carcassonne is like my favorite, one of my favorite games, my wife's favorite game for sure. We have played that game only 50 times. I mean, for it being her favorite game, like, so, so any other game, like, doesn't come close to how many times we played that. So if you can play right. the same game 24 times, like, that's a lot of value. Like, yeah, especially yeah. if it feels compelling like that, we're like, let's see what's going to happen now, like in the legacy format. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll certainly report back on the podcast, uh, what, what I liked about it. So, um, but I'm super stoked about it. Yeah. I think, so I, I guess going back to our idea of like expressifying, I think that there's something there is like you use your strengths to to sort through those things that really connect with you and like boil them down to this heart, add those twists and and see where they lead you. Even just talking them through, you might not end up with an express version of the game you started with, but you know, it's a good, a good exercise, I think for like just idea brainstorming kind of stuff in general. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, hey, y'all got a game pitch out of it that I'm going to have to go make a bunch of notes on now. So <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, hey, we're about out of time here. Is there anything you wanted to plug or anything like that while you were here this episode? Uh, not specifically. I'm just trying to wrap up Darmanoth still and, and uh, cool. finish up my semester of school and figure out the rest of uh, my life in this life, new world. yeah. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Juncture, the uh, Blood in the Banquet Hall, uh, which is uh, the uh, game we had Sen and Banana on talking about recently. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool looking RPG that's got some board game elements to it, and uh, it looks amazing. So check that out. It's doing really well on Kickstarter right now. So nice. uh, it's got some Dude. amazing artwork too. Adam Vass just launched uh, from World Champ Games, my con buddy, um, who does weirdo role playing games. He just launched a, a one on Kickstarter that is like this weird space storytelling. He's like, it's, he's back with another one of his cool. I love, uh, I love his work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's fantastic. So look up uh, World Champ Games on Kickstarter too, because he's yes, always cranking out. Like, there's yeah. a new idea every month at least. So, <laughs> yeah. and he's just, Adam is just a good dude. Like, I, I he's just such a nice guy. Yeah. Totally. No, totally. I uh, met Adam through you and I've loved getting to know him. I actually was just a few days ago, I was cleaning like through some like like drawers in my desk and I came across this like weird indie uh, one shot RPG that he made that I bought one time uh, about going oh, yeah. into the woods and stuff. And it was really cool. Oh, and it was ba- really babe well in the woods. Done. Yeah. 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 I think in a future life, that's what I want to do is I want to start writing weirdo 
games like Adam. I just want to be be as cool as him, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen because he's really cool, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He's way out of both of our leagues for coolness, but. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, you want to get in touch with us? Buildingthegamepodcast.com, buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on uh, Twitter at PodcastPTG, at J.A. Slingerland, at Jason Katarski, or at Green Couch Games. You can also find us on the Facebook. Uh, call us at 770-TEL-BTG. Find us on all of your friendly podcasting locations. And until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770-TEL-BTG. Please don't use the email.